you know, the thought patterns that we have that are maybe um, not helpful or they're destructive or even, you know, sabotaging in some way that can lead us to procrastination or perfectionism, imposter feelings, or just the lack of confidence. And it's perpetuating that lack of confidence. So all of those things can lead to overthinking or be the cause of or or, you know, goes in kind of both directions, right? They're, they're deeply worn grooves that we're, we're used to traveling down. Hi, I'm Rizwan. Welcome to Unleash Your Mindset, a podcast where I talk to creatives to learn actionable strategies that can help you achieve your creative potential. In each episode, my guests also share a listener challenge to help you take action and make a positive change in your life right away. Today, my guest is transformational coach and research consultant, Kim Witten. Kim is an amazing person, creator, and coach. The personal development insights she shares in her newsletter and on LinkedIn and on her website have helped me tremendously to to overcome some of the challenges that that I face on a regular basis. In our conversation, we learn about Kim's winding career path that led her to her, her passion now, which is helping her clients realize their potential through her transformational coaching practice. Kim shares a lot of insights on doing what you love, overthinking, and I know overthinking is something that I could use more help with. And so I'm really glad I had this conversation with Kim and also just showing up and being your best. Um, oh yeah. One more thing. You, you want to stay till the end for Kim's listener challenge. Uh, it's a powerful challenge to help you with your self-discovery. So I, I don't want to give away too much. So let's get to the conversation. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you, Rizwan. It's a pleasure to be here. And um, I've spent, so I've spent over four decades overthinking absolutely everything. So I know the ways that this persistent thought can steal your time, your energy, your motivation, all of that. And um, I've taken everything I've learned over the years. I've had many different careers, um, tried many different things. I consider myself what's called a multi-passionate creative. And uh, I've taken everything I've learned and through all of that trial and error and some successes along the way, uh, I've decided to become a transformational coach. I left my corporate job about a year ago um, where I was doing UX design and UX research and customer experience as well, uh, research. And uh, so it's been a long, long journey and I've taken everything I've learned along the way to now help other people with their overthinking, turning their overthinking into expert thinking. And, uh, as you said, reach their, their full potential. Yeah. So it's a uh, really interesting to hear your journey going from UX research, UX design to now coaching. And, you know, you talked about multi-passionate, uh, creator. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, so that that's the type of person who has many different interests and talents and it likes to explore different things. They usually kind of maybe change careers a lot. Uh and it's this idea of being a, a, a jack of many trades, jack of all trades. Um 
And sometimes you do end up becoming a master of one or, or several. Uh, but I think for me, there was a struggle for a long time trying to figure out, do I need to choose something or do I need to pick something? Or, you know, why am I getting kind of dissatisfied with this one thing or I'll explore something for a year or a couple of years and then change over to, to something else? And so it's taken a long time, I think, for me to get comfortable with this idea of this is part of who I am and that's completely okay. Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, interesting place to arrive at because a lot of times we get so impatient with what we're doing that we want to see results and we want to see progress. Um, but you know, you you are patient enough to try different things and see, you know, and all those things added up to where you are now. They they were like stepping stones to get to this this point, and you so you've discovered what your, you know, your passion and, and brought along all those skills that you learned along the way. Um, mm -hmm. How does that help you? And uh, how does that, how has your journey helped you where you are now? Yeah, I think for a long time, I, I was trying these different career paths and I was very much into everything I was doing. And it was almost like I was circling my why, <laughs> like the why, the reason why I was doing what I do, do was in there, but I was just not quite at the center of it. And so I was trying all these different things and, um, you know, maybe on different, <laughs> uh, you know, further away from that, that center or not, or different parts of this, this sphere, if we're imagining concentric circles or something like that, uh, and I wasn't seeing how they were connected and I wasn't getting at what was at the center. And I feel like what I've found now is finally closer to that center and I can draw upon all these different experiences. Uh, and what that center was, if I can elaborate on that for a minute, was, you know, I, I had a, a career path where I started off as as a graphic designer and I got into marketing and then I became a linguist and I studied that, um, in academia to the PhD level. And, uh, and then I ran screaming from academia cause it wasn't a good fit for me. And I became a data analyst and a web developer for a couple of years. It was a terrible fit for me. I remember, um, furrowed brow in front of my monitors. Um, and uh, it was this very glossy monitor. So sometimes I would catch myself in the reflection, you know, staring with this furrowed brow and this very confused face. And it was just staring right back at me that this wasn't a good fit for me. Uh, but I persevered. And uh, I also then got into UX research, UX design. Um, and what I realized through all of that was there was always this interest in understanding the motivation of what makes people tick, you know, what they're interested in, how communication works. And I realized that what I could actually do was cut the products and services out of the equation and just go to the people directly <laughs> to yeah. help them. It was almost like UX for people, you know, improving their user experience. So it wasn't in the service of, of, you know, maybe the company I was working for and the product that they were trying to sell, but actually the, the people that I was interviewing and, you know, what, what were they trying to do with their lives? And so I was able to um, then uh, transition all of those skills that I picked up along the way 
into a career in coaching, which is now what I do is helping people figure out their full potential, figure out their why and overcome those, those obstacles. Uh, and essentially what I ended up doing was becoming the person that I needed to be or that I needed back then, maybe, you know, three, five, 10 years ago. You know, we build upon those skills as we go through life and we collect those skills. And even though we don't know what the end result will be, we, you know, we pick up these skills. And I believe life has a way of showing us what we need to be doing. So as you were going through the different careers, you were picking up the skills that you needed to, to get to be able to be a great coach now. I think that says something interesting about um, you're touching on that idea of being stuck, right? Yeah. And when we're stuck, we feel like it's going to last forever. That's part of what the experience of being stuck is. But what we may not realize is that getting unstuck could be in the next moment. Sure. <laughs> you know, it just yeah. we we don't know that yet when we're in the stuck part. And then, you know, some insight comes along or some idea or something that helps us unstuck. And all of a sudden we're, we're out of the mucky place. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting that, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's in our head, you know, the, like, like you said, you can be unstuck in, in the next moment, uh -huh. but it, it's not that you went out and spent a lot of money or you did something big. It was just your perspective that you changed. And so, you know, like everybody has that ability, but sometimes being stuck feels like this is your reality, that you're not getting out of this. And, you know, then that overthinking and, you know, it leads down to a downward spiral and all that. But it's, it's interesting that it's all in our head, you know, all that we think and, you know, we can change things. I mean, it takes time and effort and uh, serious work, but mm -hmm. it is like, it's all in our minds. Yeah. Yeah. And I still get stuck, right? Yeah. The, the, the journey and the struggle isn't over, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's challenges all along the way in this, this past year, especially. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it takes, a, I mean, yeah, it's a lifetime journey. Um, because we're, you know, learning about ourselves, we're, we're still dealing with different types of challenges and uh, maybe bigger challenges that we, than we had before. But it's all part of the journey, I guess, of learning and growth. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, did you have a coach as you were going through your journey? For most of the journey, I didn't have a coach and I didn't even understand what a coach was or that there was things like coaches or mentors or, or even trainers that can help you with these types of challenges. And I sure needed one, <laughs> right? I think everybody can use a coach. Um, of course I'm biased, but uh, you know, that that's part of the, the thing that I needed you know, especially around five, six years ago when I was really kind of struggling to make sense of, of many, many things. And uh, even it was only even a couple years ago that I started listening to coaching podcasts. And I've always been interested in personal development and self-help topics, but this idea of coaching and kind of figuring out what it was and listening to these podcasts and how you could take these concepts and then and these insights and then become your own coach. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And that 
the timing of that kind of coincided with what I was doing in UX research with listening and interviewing people and understanding motivation and kind of looking at data. And so I started to kind of this idea started to percolate of you know, maybe I can make a career out of this and along the way, help myself and, you know, kind of apply these lessons. I think I heard once a couple of years ago, this idea of like, you're only as good a, a coach as, as you coach yourself, you know, or as you receive those, those kind of coaching insights. So the work is, is ongoing always. Yeah. Before I started with my own coach, uh, I thought coaching was something for the elites, you know, people who had a lot of money and, you know, whether they're um, uh, athletes or performers, the, mm -hmm. those were the people who got coaches. It wasn't for the general public, but, um, but then I got to a point where I, uh, I, I realized maybe it is a, um, available for me. And so why mm -hmm. not see, you know, just try it out. And I'm glad I tried it out. And, uh, you know, it completely changed my thinking and, uh, helped me get over a lot of my own limiting beliefs and things that I was carrying with me. So I'm also a big believer in coaching, you know, with, with any part of our life, we can, mm -hmm. we can use it because sometimes you need that external voice, you know, letting you know what the reality is because we've, we've been living with our internal voice for, for so long. We think, you know, that is reality, but sometimes we need uh, to check uh, somebody to check our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And just that space to be able to talk freely, a non-judgmental space to talk as long as you want without that scarcity. It's, you know, it's very different from a meeting where, you know, everybody's kind of vying to get a word in or you have got a time limit. And so coaching conversations are very unusual types of conversations, you know, unusual yeah. ways of speaking with people or communicating with people where it's really in the service of one person's thinking and allowing them to think out loud and to reach their own conclusions and insights and having that space. And that can just be so reflective and energizing and, and nourishing and healing and all sorts of, of good things that we all need, even if we may not realize that we need those experiences yeah. i think that's a great point you just need somebody there to listen to you and then check your thoughts challenge you and uh, give you that other perspective that you meant you just can't i haven't developed uh you know so i i think it's everybody needs a coach everybody can use a coach with you know in any part of their life um to achieve their goals yeah, agreed. I'd um, love to hear about your coaching philosophy and you know your approach to coaching. There's a book that I absolutely love about coaching, and it's called Simplifying Coaching by uh, Claire Pedrick. And she, I really align with her philosophy. And she says that coaching, yeah, I'm paraphrasing here, but coaching is simply a conversation between two two people in the service of helping um, one, you know, focus on one person to help them think and to think more clearly. And I really, really can, can get behind that idea and just allowing people to think for themselves and enabling that. I feel like we often say in the coaching uh, industry is that people are creative, resourceful, and whole. So meaning that people have all the resources they need and there, there's nothing that needs fixing. They're not broken. 
right? And they can find creative ways to solve the challenges that they have themselves. So coaching really isn't about me telling you what's wrong or giving advice. It's helping you understand what it is that you need to do for yourself. Uh, Because I could, you know, I can make an assumption and think, oh, I can see what the problem is there. I can see, you know, what, what needs fixing here. Here's my idea, but that may be completely wrong. Right. Or that may, you know, it could work, but it might not be the best solution for you. You know, what's best for you. So you're the expert in your own life. I'm the expert in the process of of coaching, of helping you kind of get to those answers that you need. Just thinking about my experience with my coach, just seeing how, you know, he, he wasn't prescriptive and telling me what to do. It was more about, uh, like you said, asking questions and making me think, mm-hmm. you know, come up with ways to solve a problem instead of uh, hand-holding or, you know, showing, telling me what's wrong. But that's a, you know, that's a skill in itself is to not not want not wanting to jump in and try to fix everything uh, but letting the individual come up with their own solution and so they take ownership of of their life and they they build up those skills they need to to help them continue improving yeah yeah exactly so uh one topic that uh, is really big and uh, i know you talk about a lot is overthinking uh, from my experience, I've done that my whole life, and I, I can see how it got me into a lot of trouble, a lot of pain, a lot of inner struggle. Can you share a little bit, just uh, touch on overthinking and uh, how it shows up? Yeah, yeah. So as a lifelong overthinker myself, <laughs> it, it can show up in all sorts of of ways that we maybe don't even realize. And I think when I was younger, it was a lot of rumination, you know, pouring over experiences in my mind, replaying things and showed up as perfectionism as well, which then would sometimes lead me into uh, procrastination or other unhelpful uh, behaviors, just because I was so caught up in my own thinking and social anxiety and lots of lots of those patterns that weren't serving myself very well. I, I read this article a while back on on Medium by uh, this this uh, marketing guy uh, who's a prolific writer on on Medium, Jenna Larue, and he talked about the difference between overthinkers and deep thinkers. And he had this thought that overthinkers were driven by anxiety, whereas deep thinkers were driven by curiosity. And I took this idea and overthought it (laughs) for some some time. And I just really started playing with this idea and wrote a a longer piece um, based around this, really expanding on these aspects of it. So with the premise being that actually, when I looked at it, Overthinking and um, deep thinking or expert thinking, um, other forms of more productive thought, are really the same skill set, right? It's just anxiety is driving the overthinking and curiosity is driving these more productive forms of thought. Because all the overthinkers I know are really good at maybe staying focused and tenacious about a particular topic, right? When they're in that rumination mode, they're really good at analyzing things. They're really good at projecting all the future scenarios that could happen. Um, You know, if you could take all of these skills and, and channel them to better use, 
you would end up with you know some really powerful stuff so then the question becomes okay how do you shift an anxiety mindset to a curiosity mindset and once we can start doing that then we're starting to unlock some of this potential and taking that that overthinking energy and that thought and applying it in much better ways for ourselves so we we kind of resolve some of the problems that, you know, maybe if we're stuck in rumination and we're seeking, you know, some answer in some conversation that we just had, we can start to get at the heart of, okay, what is that answer? What, you know, what was that unmet need? Resolve that and we can start applying that same thought energy to maybe external problems or solving kind of bigger problems in the world or for ourselves and kind of taking our mission or our passions further. Wow. That's really interesting. You're using the same muscles, the same techniques you need for the curiosity mindset for the deep thinking as you mm -hmm. are when you're overthinking with anxiety mindset. Uh, yeah, I, I think the key would be is to understand why why you're approaching with the anxiety mindset. Maybe some what are some of like the big reasons that you know anxiety shows up instead of curiosity. Is yeah. that just because we haven't learned to shift our mindset into from one to the other or I'm or there are other reasons? Yeah, I mean I think there's all all sorts of things that can happen. It can be the way we're raised or the messages from our culture. It can be um, you know, if we have a predisposition to anxiety or, you know, or traumas as well, you know, things that patterns that we've learned and things that we've picked up along the way or things that we're still processing and working through that can show up in all sorts of ways. Um, all of these patterns and and all of the habits that we have that reinforce that, reinforce those limiting beliefs, you know, it's an interaction between the things we think and then the, the actions we take. So, you know, the thought patterns that we have that are maybe um, not helpful or they're destructive or even, you know, sabotaging in some way that can lead us to procrastination or perfectionism, imposter feelings, or just the lack of confidence. And it's perpetuating that lack of confidence. So all of those things can lead to um, uh, overthinking or be the cause of or, or, you know, goes in kind of both directions, right? They're, they're deeply worn grooves that we're, we're used to traveling down. Yeah. And I think this patterns. is a perfect example of why, why you need a, you may need a coach because those grooves are so deep that you just need some help, you know, getting out of those grooves and can mm -hmm. you think into the curiosity, you know, like you said, we, we all have it in us. It's just, you know, bringing yeah. it out and, getting out of those grooves, getting past those old behaviors and the mindsets and all the conditioning that we've had in our life uh, to, mm -hmm. to undo all of that so that you know, we can become deep thinkers and have that freedom to, to go for anything we want instead of being held back by our thoughts, thought patterns that have held us back. Yeah. And those, those shifts that kind of getting out of that groove can yeah. be like we were talking about earlier with getting unstuck. It can be a moment or it can be an insight or a realization where we see something differently in a way that we didn't before or didn't have access to. And then all of a sudden we understand where we are and how we got here. 
and we can maybe even start to see the way out or see a different way of doing something and go, oh, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense now. And it's just very clear. <laughs> yeah, that, that moment of insight, you're like, wow, like my whole life I was thinking like this and this one moment has just completely unlocked everything for me and i've had mm -hmm. a, a couple of those moments uh, in my coaching sessions and um it, it's just amazing how you know it's just everything becomes open and possible where before everything was dark and like you know there was no way out and mm -hmm. i think that's just fascinating how one from one moment to the next well, it can be completely different in life yeah. Can you think of a moment? Yeah, I, I think uh, just in this, as I started this podcast, uh, after I think six or seven episodes, I kind of stopped because I was focused on something completely different, like, you know, the editing, like mm -hmm. that completely tripped me up and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. It's just too much. But then um, I think that as, as I was talking to my coach, he kind of reminded me of, you know, why I started, connected me with my why, connecting mm -hmm. back. And just that moment, the, the switch hit and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, that's what I love to do. And let me do it again. And yeah. so I continued and, you know, even like reaching out to somebody new. Like, mm -hmm. like before it seemed uh, such a big challenge and intimidating you know there's um, the social anxiety that happens um, but once you change your perspective that you know they're just humans and they're just they are they're also they're just like you with the insecurities and their their own challenges um, you know it kind of changes your perspective and things become easier yeah. So it's, I think it's finding those moments and understanding, you know, you know, identifying when those uh, limiting beliefs happen, like, you know, I'm not able to do this and why and digging into it. I think that's where that coaching can help. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you can do it on your own, but, you know, I think it's just good to dig into those moments as well. Yeah, I think that speaks to that sweet spot of like comfort and support versus challenge, right? You need you need enough comfort and support so that well, so that you feel comfortable uh and safe and open to be able to share these ideas and and play around with things, you know, all that psychological safety. Uh but if there's too much comfort, there's no change, right? So there's there doesn't need to be too much support because then you're taking too much responsibility for somebody or you're doing the work for them, you're doing the thinking for them, right? And conversely, you need enough challenge that they're that they're pushed to to make a change. Uh, you know, if you're provoking people's thoughts or uh, offering a question that makes them look at something differently or um, pointing out something that they, you know, a pattern that maybe they haven't noticed before or whatever it is, but you don't want it to be too challenging because sure. then that's un so uncomfortable that you can't handle it. It's confrontational in a yeah. unhelpful way. And then of course there's no change when right. we're too challenged, when things are too difficult, 
it's it, that becomes its own hurdle. So it's finding that balance with with anything really. Yeah. Um, so you you you've talked about uh, on your uh, on your blog about you know things that I that get in our own way, and mm-hmm. so there's a list of ten uh, different things. What are some of the top things that you've ex- experienced or you've seen that get in our way that in our way of overthinking and not doing, um, you know, not being free to do what we want. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's definitely a big one is the way that overthinking can complicate things. And so we start um, future tripping. We start imagining all of these uh, possible scenarios about what they'll think when they read this email and we start rereading the email and we don't send the email, right? And we edit the email. Um, or even when we do send it, we go back and reread it. And now that we've sent it, we imagine <laughs> from their perspective, now that it's out in the world, you know, what do they think of this email? <laughs> right? And then you think, oh, should I send a follow-up email? <laughs> you know, that part wasn't clear. And now I've said too much, right? <laughs> Let me take that back. Let me... Let me recall that. Email. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, will they see that I recalled the email? You know, you get all of these things right around, um, especially like with with uh, WhatsApp messaging or text messaging, and you know, they haven't seen the two ticks, you know, or whatever it is, right? And that can really get in the way of our productivity, our self belief, our confidence, all of these things. Um, you know, the, the key is to kind of slow down and understand what's going on in that moment. And, and there's lots of different strategies you can choose. Okay, I'm going to indulge myself in this, you know, checking, but I'm only going to do it for a minute, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then I'm going to go find some other uh, strategy, tactic, activity yeah. to do, right? Um, but understanding, you know, where, where is that coming from? Kind of getting curious mm-hmm. around these, these ideas and befriending, okay, this is the part of myself that is really anxious about something. (laughs) What does she need right now? Yeah, that's a, it's interesting. Um, That's a topic that uh, that's been on my mind lately is mind reading, being in somebody else's mind. Like recently, most recently it happened where I needed to schedule a meeting with uh, uh, one of my managers and, and, I started thinking, you know, what's the best time for her to meet? I, it, there's some good aspects to it, but then overthinking, like, you know, maybe I shouldn't meet on a Monday because she's busy and maybe it's Tuesday or but then, okay, you know, you can go down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. and like by the time you're done, you know, the meeting's on Friday or next week or, you know, right. like, just overthinking. <laughs> or you've missed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And or just so much reading into somebody else's mind yeah. and their experience and what they're going, what's happening. Um, but I realized I just need to set that meeting and let them decide what they need to do instead of me deciding for them. Uh, that's one lesson I learned is because I did schedule, I ended up scheduling for a Wednesday. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, um, but then she changed it to Monday. <laughs> and so, right. So that, so that kind of woke me up, like, you know, just schedule it and don't think, of, don't overthink this. Right. Easier said than done. 
Yeah. <laughs> and people will surprise you. You never know what they're thinking. Yeah. You're never going to know unless they tell you. Sure. And so you might as well, again, easier said than done, yeah, yeah. do what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And if you have information about what might work better for them, you can you can act upon that. Yeah. But if you don't, it's you just have no way of knowing. Yeah. What's that phrase? There's a quote somewhere. I forget who said it, but it's like, what other people think of you is none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> True. I need to find out who did or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll go back and, and add that in. But, you know, and, and what other people think of you is really, it's not about them. It's mm -hmm. about what, it's a worry about yourself. It's a wish about what you want people to think or what you're afraid that they might think about yeah. you. Yeah. Sure. So there, there's definitely um, an opportunity to dive into that and to mm -hmm. understand why are you overthinking this you know mm -hmm. what you know maybe there's this maybe you need to communicate more maybe whatever needs to happen um something to dive into you talked about rumination can you talk about what does that look like yeah so rumination is typically about something that's already happened okay. it's about the past whereas overthinking can be about the future or or a, yeah, a kind of maybe even more generalized anxiety. Um, and I'll add too, that anxiety is only possible because of our ability to think about the future, right? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> like if we couldn't think about that, if we wouldn't have that, at least not to that, to the degree that we do. Yeah. But yeah, rumination is that kind of like circular thinking about something that's already happened and we're like really swimming in it, right? And I, I think of the, um, the etymology of, rumination comes from ruminants which are those mm. animals that chew their cud that kind of regurgitate their food through several stomachs which is okay. very gross when you think about it <laughs> but it also these metaphors right they they yeah. lend some truth to to the the i was going to say flavor which is a terrible <laughs> terrible <laughs> word to choose in this context um, but to to our sense of of what rumination feels like for us yeah. right this kind of like icky over processing of of thought you know this circular thinking and what what would you suggest as a way to stop rumination with mm -hmm. uh, with the within your experience yeah i mean i think for almost all of these things it's raising awareness around what is going on at a broader level so you know what what is the unmet need when you're in a cycle of thought and you're really going through a conversation that you've had with somebody and you're repeating parts of it in your head, you're probably searching for something, right? And it's usually something like reassurance or, you know, maybe you did something that was uh, unfamiliar or uncomfortable for you or new for you. And so you're having that, what I call a vulnerability hangover, so that's like after, and I think that idea comes from Brene Brown. I think she coined this phrase of vulnerability hangover. It's like when you've done something that's new or different or, um, you know, whatever it is, so it might be a conversation or a presentation or whatever, and you feel exposed, you feel vulnerable after it. So you have that kind of reckoning with yourself and there might, you know, there may be nothing that was wrong. Sure. <laughs> you know, nothing to point to. You're just having that feeling. 
And from that, there might be a need for something, just a need to feel comfort or reassurance or feeling clarity about what you're doing or confident about what you're doing or that somebody likes you or values you. There's probably some need in there, something that you care about. Sometimes just understanding that that exists, (laughs) what that is, allows you to accept it and befriend it and just go, okay, yeah, I get that. And possibly, is there a way I could more actively go get this, either from this situation or from something else? I mean, from my experience, when you talked about presentation, I usually have my usual reaction is, why did I say that? To what, mm-hmm. You know, like, like, it's just, you know, I'll use the word cringe. <laughs> mm. My performance. I think it does go back to, you said, it could be um, different reasons, but... Uh, like confidence, you know, who you are and your skills. And, you know, so it takes a lot of work to uh, uncover that and, uh, you know, come to terms with it. Uh, mm-hmm. I like what you said to, to realize that this is what's happening, to own it and identify it, and, but then move on and, you know, you know, just own it as part of your experience and a learning opportunity to, Try try something different next time, or um, to see why it happened, and you know maybe change it for next time. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a, a trick that Master Coach Kara Lowenthal uses uh, that she calls "This is the part where." Okay. So this is the part where I'm just feeling really bad about myself about that that presentation or that email I sent. And, and that idea of this is the part where allows you to just get some mm-hmm. some distance from the situation, allows you to kind of characterize it and be like, right, okay, I'm in the story. <laughs> you know, this is the part of the story where, and it won't always, you won't always be in that part of the story, right? It's it, that part, this part, this is the part where is all part of a larger, larger piece. So having that perspective is like, okay. It won't always be like this. <laughs> That's a good point. I, I, I like that. This is, you know, just reminding yourself that this is the part where, you know, I'm going to cringe about my performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, then, but then go in as to why it happened and, and then improve it for next time. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's a good subtle reminder that this is going to happen and don't get overly anxious or don't let it derail you mm-hmm. from having a pre- another presentation or, you know, running away from it to face up to it and make the yeah, best. Yeah, because it doesn't define you, right? It, yeah. It's not, that is not the thing that people are going to point to and be like, that is all of you. Yeah. That typifies <laughs> you to a T. <laughs> Everything about that is so you. <laughs> like even you don't think that you're like, oh, that wasn't me. <laughs> Right. I think in, in our mind, we're, we think that other people will think this that, is who yeah. I am. Like, this yeah. is this is how much, this is my experience. This is my ability. This represents me in totality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the, those are, I think those are the thoughts that are going through mm-hmm. your mind at that time, curbing those thoughts as it happens. So mm-hmm. I think that's where this is the part where can mm-hmm. help. <laughs> where you're yeah. like, you know, like, okay, this is the part where I'm going to do some overthinking and, you know, and it's okay. It has happened and you know, move on. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it just allows you to befriend that part of you and, yeah. and accept it and just go, yeah. okay, there I go again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that word befriend. Uh, so it's not a, well, I mean, there's the inner critic that shows up. Mm-hmm. Then there's the, you know, befriending the part that, you know, the, the behavior or the common thought pattern that comes up um, that, this is uh, this is part of part of me right now and uh, yeah because I think we all have these thought gremlins right yeah. you know we might all have the inner critic I one of my thought gremlins is called I called it um, dread buddy and dread buddy shows up in the maybe the hours or even the day before a meeting or a presentation and just fills me with dread and anxiousness it's like an energy vampire right this this dread buddy but once i kind of named it and almost anthropomorphized it and made it a part that just nowadays dread buddy shows up if if or when they show up and it's like oh dread buddy's here okay you need to sit quietly today because I've got some work to do, <laughs> right? Uh, I love that uh, naming it makes it more more real. Like you can kind of wrap your he- head around it. You can kind of deal with it easily when you name something. And I think yeah. some some people even say to draw draw out your inner critic. You know. Oh, that's a great idea. To even just like put a face to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what mine would look like, but, but <laughs> that be, that's an interesting exploration. Yeah, I'm not uh, that skilled uh, <laughs> artist, but <laughs> I can give it yeah. a go. So what came to mind was those, you know, those dolls that they have, you know, where you can stick a pin in. <laughs> oh, right. I, I forgot the name of it now. But. I thought you were going to say Garbage Pail Kids. Do oh, you no, remember those, no. those cards when we were... <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if your dread buddy looks like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, all those thought gremlins. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's you know, finding good. whatever ways to kind of bring in your your curiosity, your humor, you know, to, to make things a little bit easier and, and lighter for yourself, you know, whether that's a, a drawing or a naming something or even just a metaphor, you know, what's it like, you know, what's, what's the construct that, that it reminds you of, you know? Another thing that, uh, that, uh, like I mentioned, uh, you know, connecting with our why, why are we doing something that mm-hmm. could be a powerful way to overcome some of this, you know, the dread that we feel um, Yeah. to understand what we're trying to achieve and connecting with that instead of the anxiety part where like, Oh, I have a, uh, I'm going to have a presentation next week. What am I going to do? But focus on the, the positive aspects of it, of where you're trying to go, what are you trying to achieve and how this is a step, step in that direction. Yeah. I, um, I always encourage, my clients, people I work with, everybody I know really to come up with compel- what I call compelling reasons for um, all of the work that you do. So if you've got a project or an activity or even your your mission, you know, why is that important to you? So a compelling reason is a, usually a one sen- sentence statement that reminds you of, of your why for this 
thing? You know, why is that important? And that will really help you when things get hard, when you're stuck, when you're losing the motivation, you should be able to read that compelling reason. And it's going to motivate you just at least a little bit. And if it doesn't at all, then it's probably not your compelling reason or it's not compelling enough, right? And we can all find compelling reasons for the things. It, it's helpful for things like, for example, doing your taxes. We think we don't want to do our taxes and, and we don't. I mean, it's a tedious job, right? <laughs> um, I, I dislike it so much, but ultimately we do want to do it. You know, like we want to be compliant with, you know, we don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> we don't want to pay the fines, right? So in there is some sort of compelling reason, some sort of thing that can remind you of at least that, right? That's going to motivate you to be like, all right, got to do it. <laughs> I'm a professional. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. challenge. Especially if we're stuck in an unhelpful groove, yeah. right? If we're down in the ditch <laughs> and then we're like, you know, it just feels dark and endless, right? We're stuck again. <laughs> Um, having that compelling reason is like, all right, okay, this is the part where I'm in the ditch. <laughs> right. This is manageable though. And I'm, I remember why I'm doing this and that's going to help me persevere. Yeah. It's a, it's speaking about the ditch, like when you're down, you, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're off, off the horse, you're falling down, <laughs> you know, how do you realize like what you need to do to get out of it? Is, is that a a muscle you just have to develop over time? Or is there some other technique uh, um, besides the compelling reason uh, to yeah. get out of that funk that you're, that you're in? I mean, I think it's going to be, well, different for everybody, but also there's probably going to be some some commonalities, right? One is is feeling your feelings, right? <laughs> we can't ignore our feelings and all of this. You know, they're... they're um, Oh, it's from that book, Burnout, this idea of like feelings are tunnels. You got to go through them, right? Okay. And so I think that's a key part of that is feeling your feelings, honoring your feelings and accepting your your thoughts and that acceptance that, that starts with noticing, right? Okay. And just bringing some awareness. And sometimes I think there's a process to this. So especially if you're new to any of this, this kind of thought work and managing your thoughts and, and mind and, and all this self-improvement, personal development is the first phase is this retroactive, retroactive noticing. So looking back on what happened and going, ah, yeah, that's something I want to change, or that's an example of the thing. Yeah. And so as you start to get better at looking back and noticing um, past experiences and, and having new insights and learning, it gets easier and easier to shift that noticing to a different phase where you're noticing it while it's happening. Ah, this is the, I'm overthinking right now, right? Or I'm procrastinating this moment, yeah. right? And, and noticing that and starting to pull yourself out of it and learning those techniques and strategies. And then over time, it shifts to even proactive noticing. Mm -hmm. Like, this is going to be a hard day for me. <laughs> I haven't slept well, right? Or I've got a big uh, presentation ahead or... Um, you know, this is going to be a difficult conversation. Yeah. Here's what is likely to happen, or here's what I need to guard against, or here's what I can do. Um, and you can start then shifting the, the tactics and the strategies, even in advance of it to help you out in future. Wow. But all of that takes time and it's all baby steps. We don't want to be overwhelming ourselves with 
you know, these big, big, yeah. you know, changes. It's just small things. And I think the the way you do one thing is how you do everything, right? So oftentimes in when I work with people, we'll talk about very small examples because those are manageable. We can hold on to those and we can really kind of without deep attachment, maybe pick those apart and identify the feelings or the thoughts going on. And we can kind of scale that up to, to bigger examples as well. Key is to start the journey and then, and then to build those muscles as you go uh, to, yeah. uh, to identify the patterns, to realize what's, you know, what's happening, what can happen, what, how you react. It's just part of the self-discovery that happens once you start the process. But the key is to start it and to, you know, mm -hmm. put in put in the effort, put in the time, do that. And before I started the coaching, um, I had the lens outwards. I never had the lens inside. Like, I just didn't even think that was an option. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing, like, how you, know, you can go through your whole life and not turn the lens inwards. I think but that's a really interesting and insightful observation that you have about yourself that, that you probably didn't have, you know, yeah. years ago or how, yeah. however, you know, when you started this work and just even that alone is. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And I think it, like you said earlier that you know you what your culture your upbringing and all those things play into things like this happening where you just never look within you and or you never even think that oh yeah i can actually look within me why am i doing this what do i want that's like a big thing like it never came up before it yeah. was all that what do i need to do what do i need to do for for this situation uh <clears throat> But, you know, coming to that realization, you know, now it's better than never. But, you know, it's just interesting how we can go through our lives and not pay attention to what's within us. Yeah. And then you have that. I love that idea of like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> I can put myself <laughs> first or I can I can do this in a way that works for me. <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's allowed. I, I've never <laughs> tried that before. <laughs> I love it. And this a whole new world opens up within you. Yeah, <laughs> and it's never too late, right? What's that phrase about like it, the best time to plant a tree was thirty years ago? The second best time is is today. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean it's uh, that, that's a big realization that you know starting now, start in this moment because mm -hmm. you know number one, we don't feel time as it goes by. You know, a, a year could go by, and um, you know we in a in a blink of an eye so starting now and getting started with whatever you need to do but uh start in this moment mm -hmm. and uh, that's another challenge in itself because sometimes you know that overthinking can happen again like oh it's too late and yeah do this because this <laughs> that's a great example of one of the things that we do to get in our own way yeah right is, is having those thoughts that come in that prevent us from even starting uh, right yeah. or continuing and another point you have about you know things that we get in our way is making yourself small and yeah now i'm having flashbacks of how i made myself small and played small and mm -hmm. thought you know i was that was normal can you share a little bit more about that aspect yeah yeah, I think 
this idea of playing small often comes from, again, an unmet need, right? We want to feel safe or we want to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so we don't speak up or we don't present the thing, the design or the idea mm -hmm. that we really want to present, or we don't show up in the way that, that mm -hmm. we want. Or sometimes we don't even allow ourselves to imagine how we could show up differently to some event or that we could, um, you know, that we could speak up or that we could um, enjoy an accomplishment, right? That we could really own it and go, yeah, I did that, <laughs> right? So those are all different ways and different places that we might be playing small and just imagining if we can get to this place where we can imagine what would our life be like if we weren't playing small, if we felt comfortable, safe, confident. And so getting to that place and, you know, what could I do then? And I remember I felt for me, this was um, a huge one many years ago is around public speaking. And I still struggle with, with public speaking. Yeah. Um, I'm improving and, and working on it. But I remember uh, driving home from a Toastmasters meeting um, many years ago and thinking to myself, um, gosh, what would my life be like if I wasn't afraid of public speaking? Yeah. Like, if that wasn't an issue, what could I do? <laughs> I think there was a coaching question in there that I didn't even know I was asking myself at that time. Right? Sure. I think it's always been in there. But um, yeah, that I just started imagining like, oh, well, I could, I could do this or I wouldn't spend time, you know, hours before a presentation or I could sign yeah. up for this thing or... Uh, you know, I could lead that or whatever it is, wow. like if it just wasn't an issue. Yeah, I think that this this is one of those moments where uh, or questions that can switch the your thinking in in just mm -hmm. a moment. Like if there wasn't any problem, uh, like if you're trying to do something like you said, you know, if if public speaking wasn't uh, if if there wasn't a big challenge with mm -hmm. public speaking, what would you be able to achieve? Yeah. And, you know, thinking, thinking over the challenge or past it is something that we're not used to. We all, you know, sometimes we just think that challenge is it and that's it. Mm -hmm. There's no other possibility around it. But, you know, when you think over that challenge, you can see like it's, a you know, the whole world opens up and you're like, oh, my life would be amazing. And like, I'd be able to communicate better. I'll be able to uh, give my design presentations and reviews. They'll be without, you know, without any struggle. And I'd be able to, you know, get to the next level that I want to, if mm -hmm. I could just do, uh, if this wasn't a problem. So it, it feels like, you know, that's a, a key to unlock your, your you know, being stuck and overthinking is to just imagine not having that problem. Uh, it's yeah. one of those examples that just came to mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think sometimes, um, especially again, for people who are new to this work, it's um, it takes a little while to get to that place mm -hmm. where you can allow yourself or you you can try on this idea of, of imagining what it would be like or what you could yeah. do or, or even picturing what not playing small could look like. Yeah. Uh, there might be a need for 
some safety or comfort or uh, or just managing the chaos of of our lives and sometimes even in just a practical productivity sense right sometimes yeah. a lot of that that day-to-day stuff just really gets in the way you yeah. know it, um, and that's because you know maybe we're not managing our time well or our calendar well or our boundaries. So we're doing lots of things for other people. We're spending a lot of time thinking about it, and then we're staying up really late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe taking time back for ourselves. So like revenge bedtime procrastination is that <laughs> that act of of scrolling mindlessly on your phone or playing video games or whatever, taking time back for yourself at the end of a long day, long busy day, at the expense of your sleep. Right. So when we're mismanaging our time and, um, you know, not really getting on top of what, what's happened much earlier in the day, it has this knock on effect and then we don't sleep well and the whole thing starts over again. So sometimes there's just a lot of really basic kind of, I mean, it's not basic, it's, it can be quite challenging and, and thorny and ongoing, but there's some, oftentimes there's things in the way first before we can get to that that dreaming and, and those bigger questions of, um, so I I just try to be aware with that, of that with people. Some, some people are all different. So some people can go to that place. That's their happy place. They're living there anyway. (laughs) Other people are, um, and oftentimes overthinkers have a lot of stuff in the way that they, you know, they may even, it could be even as basic as clearing visual noise from their environment. So there's like a lot of stuff (laughs) in their space that's causing a lot of thought and distraction right? Not helping them be productive. I think the, uh, the first time I came across this was when I did a vision exercise where, you know, what would my future be like? What would the ideal mm. uh, future be like? And then I realized what's stopping me from getting that ideal, <laughs> you know, ideal yeah. to that ideal space. And I realized it's just the way I'm thinking, the way, I, you know, my th- my thinking is what's holding me back. You know, it's it's out there to achieve. Yeah. Everybody else can achieve it. I can also achieve my own uh, vision and dreams. So I think just practicing more of that, that op- opening up the possibilities. I think that's a really good point because oftentimes that is the case. The only thing in the way is yeah. is you, <laughs> right? Is your own thoughts, right? Always me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like how um, we've come full circle on that one. <laughs> this has really been an insightful conversation. Uh, we're at the point of the of our conversation where I ask the guests to share a challenge with the listeners to uh, to help them apply what we what we've talked about to make it a little bit more concrete. Curious to hear what challenge you have for the listeners. Yeah, I think what we were just talking about with this vision and imagining uh, not playing small uh, leads very nicely into this listener challenge, which is to, I I dare you all to come up with a list of a hundred wants. So this is a hundred things that you want, and it can be anything. And after you do that list, um, there's a couple extra steps as well. And I can share an article that kind of goes into it. But basically what you do, it's as simple as coming up with a list of a hundred wants and it can be anything at all um, from practical stuff, impossible stuff, whatever it is. The first 20 or so might be easy. The middle bit is a stretch, 
the last fit is quite hard, <laughs> right? Um, and it may take time over time. But what I would encourage you to do is, is to come up with that list and then go through the list and um, add some categories to mm -hmm. each. So it might be good to do this in a spreadsheet yeah. where you can sort the list pretty, pretty easily. Uh, but add some categories to this, whatever categories you want to come up with. So for me, I ended up with categories like um, tangible things that I could purchase, mm. uh, travel or adventure, nice. um, impossible goals, uh, worldly goals. So things that I wanted for the world, right? Nice. <laughs> um, you know, to to end climate change and you know. Uh, end all wars and yeah. all of these things, right? Um, impossible goals. I'd love to be a few inches taller. It's not going to happen, <laughs> right? Um, so you go through and you come up with the categories and then you can sort by those categories. And then you go through again and you decide, okay, for each one of those things, do I really want this? And if you really do, mark that in the column. Yes. And what that does is it allows you to really explore a what you want, um, but b what are all the wants that I've just been holding on to these kind of like stale ideas, and then also we don't often look at our wants in context with each other, right? Mm -hmm. It's usually like we have a craving and we want to go get a burrito, right? And that's isolated, right? Yeah. But when you have this list of like big things, small things, you know, really aspirational stuff, really mundane stuff, and then you categorize it as well as decide, um, you know, it, do I really want this? You get some really interesting patterns. So yeah. for me, I realized that once I went through and decided what I really wanted, um, some whole categories just disappeared. <laughs> it's okay. like, I didn't actually want, um, yeah, a lot of these things. Um, I ended up realizing that there was a lot less, I thought I was, had all these ideas of, of tangible things that I wanted to go by. And yeah. that category was actually quite small. Oh, wow. And then most importantly is you may realize that a lot of these things that you want are really achievable. Oh. And then you can start making some plans or taking some steps or deciding some goals or actions around it after you've kind of clarified and prioritized wow. your wants. This is powerful. Like, you know, just saying to write hundred wants feels like, Am I permitted to do this? Oh, I like <laughs> that. It goes back to that question. <laughs> it, yes. it feels like, like a, you know, like something that I shouldn't be doing. Like, <laughs> yeah, is this indulgent? Is it yeah. selfish? It depends on your wants, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like just like being able to again, like you said, turn the lens within. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be allowed to express your thoughts mm -hmm. and your wants, and you know, and I mean, that's just for me, but um, but I, I feel like this is a great exercise. I feel like to get everything out of your head mm -hmm. and instead of holding it in, so then you can make room for more wants. And, and oh, I love more, it. Yes. And yeah. For better, more targeted wants instead of just holding back. Like you said, you may not even want those wants uh, yeah. at all, or they may not be important for you, but you've just been holding on to them. For your whole life and uh, yeah. so I, I think this is a great um, way to discover what you really want mm -hmm. and start taking action on it 
Yeah. And that will really help clarify your vision as well. Yeah. Because then you'll see so much of you and your interests and your passions reflected back on you and wow. what's important. And it'll be kind of nicely organized and it'll be a living document. So, yeah. Yeah. I love what you said, though, about how getting it out of your head allows you to make room for more wants. Sure. That, <laughs> that is. It'll help and does, and does and, but, In a wonderful way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, make space for more. Yeah, because who knows what you'll come up with, yeah, right? Exactly. Because <laughs> now you ha- you're starting fresh, and mm-hmm. you know, your subconscious will come up with more ideas. And uh, and so is, I, I think this is like a great exercise to do every so often to yeah. just keep focusing and to make sure that you're doing something that you want to be doing, and you you you're kind of self checking your your journey. Yeah. Bringing some conscious intention and awareness around what is driving a lot of, of my desires and my thoughts and my goals. And, and you can start lining some things up and organizing things. And you might also realize that you've already actually been making progress on things, right? You just didn't realize it. Yeah. It brings it up in the open instead of in your head and where things get distorted really easily. Yeah. Lists are helpful. I like a list. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. This is, this is uh, amazing. Um, Yeah. I can't wait to do it myself. So uh, thank you so much for this challenge. I, I think this is really helpful. Everybody needs to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear what, what you come up with and yeah. how it goes for you. Yeah. So I'll definitely share it. And uh, yeah, anybody listening to, if you try, if you try this, please share with Kim and, and let her know, you know, uh, what your experience was. And so it's good to learn from everybody. Yeah. And get some ideas, especially if we're at the, trying to get to the top of that list. <laughs> we're yeah. trying to get to hundred. <laughs> what do you got on your list? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, how can uh, people learn more about you? Yes. Um, so I, I have a page set up. If people want to go to witten.kim slash low fidelity, they can find me there. So that's nice. W-I-T-T-E-N dot K-I-M. It's a strange URL um, slash low fidelity. And uh, I would, there's lots of links there to connect to me in various ways, but I'd love to uh, be able to be in touch with people and find out how they're doing with this challenge or any other challenges they have. Um, I love kind of these, these small uh, communications back and forth and being able to help people with all these small challenges or ideas that they have. Um, It's just great to be able to connect with people in all of these various ways that we have these days. Yeah. Or even bigger challenges. So if you need uh, (laughs) coaching help, you know, if you find you that you're stuck in some area in your life, you know, reach out to Kim and see if, you know, you can work together and, uh, you know. Would love that too. I'm here for it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kim. Thank you for coming to the show and speaking with me and listeners, uh, Mm -hmm. sharing all these amazing insights. and uh, I'm so glad that uh, I'm speaking to you early in the mornings because now I feel like feel energized and I'm ready to tackle the day. And ready oh, to amazing! <laughs> and jump on my list. Um, so uh, I'm, you know, it's really insightful conversation. And thank you so much for for coming. 
Yeah, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. I've loved sharing ideas and talking about overthinking. We could do this for many more times, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was the amazing Kim Witten. I love the strategies she shared to keep us from overthinking and having overthinking take over us. And I love the perspective of, you know, instead of fighting overthinking, why not befriending the part that experiences anxiety so we can realize our creative potential. So, you know, listening to, you know, when it shows up, when overthinking shows up, trying to get curious as to why it is happening, what's going on, and, you know, and dig deep into it to find areas of opportunity for ourselves, for our growth and learning. I also love the challenge that Kim shared with us. And uh, just to just to repeat it for you. So, um, so write a list of 100 wants that you have. Get all those wants out of your head. Push yourself to get hundred because the ones towards the end are the ones that are the juicy ones. And then once you've got your list, categorize the, the wants into groups, you know, whatever works for you, uh, such as travel, purchasing, goals, um, you know, career, and you know, anything that makes sense for you. And then go through those categories and remove the ones that you don't um, that don't resonate with you. You know, there there'll be ones that are have just been hanging around for a long time, and yeah, you know, it's just they don't excite you. So you know, Marie Kondo them and uh, get them out of there. Now you have your final list of wants. You can begin to identify ways to make them come true, take action towards them, make plans, and make a plan to achieve them, and and prioritize them to where you want to go and what you want to achieve first so yeah so it's a great challenge Uh, i know i'm in the middle of it and uh, uh, i will share my results and my uh, how it goes for me on on um, you can on linkedin probably or twitter and uh, you know on to um, back to you now so you know, both Kim and I would love to know how this exercise goes for you. So if you go through it, please reach out to either Kim or myself on Twitter or LinkedIn to share your experience so we, we can learn from you and to see how, you know, how it works. And yeah, so reach out um, if you have any questions. Uh, this has been Unleash Your Mindset. If you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast for more insights on how to unleash your mindset and how to achieve your creative potential. So thanks for listening. And till next time, stay strong.